Pesky. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, here in the Out of Character podcast feed. Now, remember, this Wednesday, we got Candice LeRae on Out of Character. We talked to her about a bunch of stuff. We talked to her about having a baby, how she planned her pregnancy ahead of time to some degree with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, how her WWE return came about, and so much more, so you're not going to want to miss that. That's this Wednesday in this podcast feed. If you want to watch the video of it, it's on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. But just wanted to give that a quick promo before we dive into this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, the October 17th, 2022 edition of the show, which begins with Lashley already in the ring calling out Brock. Lesnar then walks out in his cowboy attire, walks slowly to the ring, and a brawl begins between them on the outside of it. Lashley then spears Brock through the timekeeper barricade, and the roster comes out with a bunch of WWE officials to break things up, but Lashley pushes them all away as they get up the ramp. He then runs back to spear Lashley onto the announce table. Everyone gets between them again, but he runs back and hits a suplex to Brock through the announce table. Finally, everyone gets him off of Lesnar, and we go to a commercial break. Loved it. I had someone text me say, hey, I missed the first few minutes of Raw because they, they they were dealing with uh, streaming stuff. And they were trying to get it to work on their whatever streaming platform they use. I forget exactly if it was a YouTube TV thing or whatever. But they texted me asking if they had missed anything. If they had missed anything on Monday Night Raw that was good. And I was like, yeah, dude, you missed a lot. It started off with a bang, dude. Like two, two badass dudes fighting just because they're pissed off. Not a lot of words, just a lot of fighting. And I think the real takeaway from this was the fact that Lashley really got the better of Brock here in a way that we don't typically see people uh, get from Brock Lesnar. Like, Brock Lesnar is usually the dominant one, for the most part. And to see someone just take it to Brock like that, where when you see Lesnar on the ground at the end of it, trying to catch his wind and and, and compose himself, and you don't see him the rest of the episode... Because he's in so much pain. You got to believe that's coming from someone who could actually I- impose that on Brock Lesnar. And Bobby Lashley is certainly that guy. Uh, and he and he proved it tonight. I think when you see that, it doesn't look um, like something that isn't believable. When you see Lashley dominating Brock, they're on the same level when it comes to size. And I, I believably, he could do those kinds of things to Brock. And so to see Brock take that much uh, of a beatdown from someone was 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 surprising, but also awesome. Because for so long, I think that we've all kind of said that only certain people were being made to look strong all the time. And I really felt like tonight especially, we were seeing people that aren't normally made to look strong uh, get a different get a different uh, change of circumstances. Now, don't get me wrong. Bobby Lashley is not one of those people. Don't get me wrong. However, when he's opposite Brock in the past, it was kind of a protected scenario. And so I think that this feels like he, like the the right 
way of getting to Brock versus Lashley again. We're getting that crown jewel. It was officially uh, finalized later in the episode. But when I spoke with Lashley, I think it was, you know, I spoke with Lashley on the show a few months back. And I want to say it was Royal Rumble time. And, um, excuse me, SummerSlam time. Not Royal Rumble. SummerSlam. What am I talking about? During the SummerSlam. And um, he had said to me that um, the match he had with Brock wasn't what he wanted. He also had said it's something they could have, you know, built to ahead of time and done better. And I, 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 you know, in seeing this, I'm guessing that Brock felt the same way. Because now they're doing it again between them, but the right way. I hope this is the right way. It's starting off the right way. It's starting off by making Lashley look like he's on the same level as Brock Lesnar. And if you want a super clash between two super athletes, you got to make them appear like they're on the same level. And so I really, really liked this. I like how it made Bobby Lashley look like an absolute beast. And because of that, it didn't, it didn't make him look like he didn't care about losing the United States title. It just made it look like he cared more right now about the way he was cheated out of it by Brock Lesnar. And I have a feeling that we'll get him setting his sights on the United States title again down the line. But for now, it makes all the sense in the world to distance him from it a little bit and let us get the right version of a feud between Brock Lesnar and Lashley. Next up, we had the OC versus Alpha Academy. Gallows and Anderson pick up the win with the Magic Killer here. And for me, it's really just good to see these guys back doing their thing. Uh, I missed these guys. I like the work they've been doing. Um, I think that they just make all the sense in the world with AJ. Um, it elevates AJ's act. It elevates the roster, having you know, the, the Bullet Club there, and I'm just, uh, I'm happy to see them back. Now, after the match, Judgment Day, walk out on stage, and Balor says, too sweet a bunch, then makes fun of them for still doing that, says maybe he needs to remind everyone that he's the one that started this whole club, and since he's the one who created the club, he can end it too, so he challenges the OC to a match at Crown Jewel, Judgment Day versus the OC. I wish they had gone back to the club. I didn't like the name the OC. I just, I didn't like the name the OC. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, but either way, I'm happy they're back. Good to see it going on again. See the OC. See them as a trio. See Bullet Club, the club, whatever you want to call them. To see them doing their thing in WWE again. Now, uh, AJ one-ups Finn Balor here saying they should do it right now instead of at Crown Jewel. And Dominic interrupts him saying that he'll force Styles off of Raw like he did do his dad, Ray. So this, this causes AJ to challenge him to a match. And Dominic accepts for later in the night. We'll get to that later we'll talk more about Dominic and and uh AJ in just a little bit because they do wrestle later so I'll save those thoughts for a little bit from now <laughs> now next we had Seth Rollins come out with the United States title he's sporting an all red suit with uh zebra print shoes and Rollins thanks his supporters 
and vows to kick off a legendary U.S. title run with a win over Riddle tonight. But he's interrupted by someone surprising. Well, not too surprising based on what's been going on on TV, but surprising based on the fact that they're elevating Mustafa Ali in this fashion. Mustafa Ali's music interrupts Seth Rollins, and Seth looks very confused about this. <laughs> Excuse me, had to take a sip of water there. It's the one bummer about doing a podcast where you're alone. Is I'm just like talking for 45 minutes. <laughs> and if I take like a, like a, a, what was that, three second break, there's all this dead air. Like, 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 let's see. Count, let's count it. Let's see. I'm going to count it how long I'm taking another sip. Let's see. Three. Yeah. Three seconds. But feels like all the dead air in the world. <laughs> so Ali comes out. And he says that he was next in line for Lashley and that nothing has changed. He still wants to fight for the U.S. title. Rollins laughs this off, though, saying Ali doesn't belong in the ring with him. And as he starts to do his laugh, <laughs> Mustafa Ali's face, Ali takes Seth's, uh, takes Seth's glasses off and stops him in his tracks. Ali says it's not going down like that. He's Seth's next problem, and he's not going anywhere without a fight. Rollins suddenly has a change of tune, though, and surprisingly calls Mustafa Ali a great guy, and that he sees how he helps people in the back, and it seems like Rollins is doing a change of heart here for some reason, even kind of has like a, more of his normal voice, but instead he hits a sucker punch out of nowhere, which ruled... And tosses him from the ring. This was a great sucker punch. Even though I saw it was coming, you were like, there's no way. He's just suddenly being nice to Mustafa Ali. Um, it was great. It was just like all these nice things. He was gassing him up, saying all these good things, and then boom! Classic heel stuff. Uh, as, as, um, as Seth starts to walk away, Ali jumps him from behind, and the fight continues. Rollins tosses Ali into the ring post, and Mustafa sells it with an awesome flip. Looked insane. Uh, and then Seth walks away. All right, what do I think of this? I had to get all that out. There was a lot to spit out there. I love this, dude. I freaking love this. I love it. I think people say there, there seems to be this, like, false narrative on some guys not being able to talk on the mic. And I think that when you're not given the opportunity to talk on the mic very often, one can't be expected to be great at it to some degree, you know, and I think that some people like Ricochet and and Mustafa Ali uh, have shown us in in promos they posted online where it's edited and they can have a couple takes, that they have it in there. You just got to give them the opportunity to pull it out of them. I think that, you know, something I say often is that, like, with entertainers and performers, they need someone to believe in them in order to perform properly. And I think that there's a lot of performers, entertainers, podcasters, interviewers, whoever, any on-camera presence, if you don't feel like people believe in you, if you don't feel like someone of importance 
believes in you, your boss, whoever, if you don't feel like they believe in you, your like producers, whatever, you're not going to work as well. You're not, it's, it's not going to be brought in out of you. It, because the person's so stuck in their head on something else that they can't have this clear mind to perform properly. And I think with in the case of Mustafa Ali, like when you've got management that believes in you, it's completely different. And I think you saw that in this segment with Mustafa Ali. Like the fact that they believed in him enough to give him a segment with Seth Rollins as well as, you know, ending the show, which we'll get to, says a lot for what the management believes in his abilities. And he has to feel that inside. He has to. You know, I think when you feel like there wasn't uh, faith in your abilities, you're constantly working for that validation. But when you're not working for the validation, when you're working to try and make the best thing possible with your abilities and you're given the freedom to do that, then gold can happen. And this was dope, dude. Like... I don't need like him spitting out all these rock level catchphrases or anything. Like what I got from that and watching that was that Mustafa Ali believes in himself and that Mustafa Ali wants better for himself. And it's something that that, that can resonate with people. That's something that's relatable on a global scale. <laughs> and for him to be like, I'm not taking no for an answer, even from the top person, one of the top people in the company. It makes his character look like he stands for something, cares about something, wants to win, wants to be better. And I think that is really important when you're trying to convince the audience that they should also care about this person. That's what I think about it. We'll get to more about Mustafa Ali later. Next, we had Damage Control versus Candice LeRae and Bianca Belair. Candice just killing it out there like she hasn't missed a day, hitting her outside plancha hitting a step-up senton on Io and Dakota. At one point, Bailey also casually mentions that Candice might need to get her partner from NXT. Put a little eyeballs emoji there. Indy Hartwell, I've mentioned that I feel as though War Games, that Candice, excuse me, that Indy Hartwell is going to factor in to the War Games stuff. That's just my hunch. And now that we've got Bailey casually mentioning Candace's old partner in NXT, Indy Hartwell, a piece of me goes, okay, well, you already thought that she was going to factor into this. Now she's getting mentioned. Could it be? I don't know. We'll see. When I talked to Dakota Kai about this on the podcast, she said that she would like to see Rhea Ripley join their team for a night because she has experience in war games. But we'll see. We'll see. That's just two people's opinions. You might have a different opinion too. We'll see what happens. But I felt like it was, excuse me, I felt like it was worth pointing out. So uh, there was also a brutal looking move in this match where Bianca lifted Io for a suplex and then Candice kicked her down off the top rope and, and Sky just landed brutally on her shoulder. It was just like rough looking landing. I don't know if. It, I don't think she's hurt or anything afterwards, but just like looking at it, it did not look like a fun landing for EO Sky. Bailey then tried to intervene, but Bianca took her out 
And while they were both down ringside, it allowed Dakota and Io to team up on Candice and get the win. Yeah, I mean, I got no problem with any of this. I think Damage Control should be getting wins when they're the women's tag team champions. I think it helps build up what we'd see later in the night with Bianca Belair and Bailey. Um, no problems here at all. I don't think it's a problem for Candice LeRae to be losing yet. It's not like she's been booked as some unbeatable monster. Um, I think people know that she's coming back after being away for a year. She got that win over Bailey already. No problems in my book when it comes to this. All just seems like it's more build to an inevitable Survivor Series War Games match, and I'm liking it. Next, Kathy Kelly talks to Riddle backstage about Seth Rollins. Says he exposed Rollins in the fight pit already, and tonight he becomes United States champion. He then sees Ali backstage and tells him that if he wins the U.S. title tonight from Rollins, he'll give Ali his first title shot. As they talk, Miz screams from off screen, and we see him holding his knee in agony, saying that he slipped, and there's no way that he can compete tonight. Just like a small note on this segment, I always like when the WWE backstage area feels like it's a living, breathing organism where things are happening all over. Something's happening here. Fights breaking out over here. Interviews going on there. It just, I don't know why, but I kind of just like feeling like it's this living, breathing organism of things happening all the time. It makes you feel... Like, you can buy into the reality of things in some way. And I I liked how this, while small, intersected multiple things happening all in one segment where it just kind of, like, moved from one thing to another. But they were all interconnected by the fact they were happening in the same segment. But they all were building different things. And I felt like that was smart. I, I, I enjoy when... When... A lot is happening. I have ADD. I've said this many times on here. It's easy to lose my attention. So when when there's an interview happening and then you know character build happening and then program build happening all in one segment in a short few minutes, that's that to me is maximizing your TV time. And you've got three hours, so you got a lot of TV time, and that's just maximizing it. I like it. Judgment Day chat with Dominic backstage about his match later after this. And Rhea is approached by Cora Jade. Cora persuades Rhea to face Roxanne Perez on NXT in the Pick Your Poison match. And Rick, uh, Ripley accepts. That'd be good. A lot, of, a lot of talent being stacked on NXT this week, obviously, because it's got some competition. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that show plays out this week. Feels like a lot of buildup has been happening uh, around this week's episode. JBL out next says he has an announcement that will shake the foundation of Monday Night Raw, but first he heals it up on the crowd and they give him massive heat for it. JBL then explains that since Rey Mysterio has moved to SmackDown, a trade went down for Baron Corbin to move back to Raw. And yes, I said that right. Baron Corbin. Not happy Corbin. Baron Corbin. Corbin comes out with a 
I guess, new version of his older attire. But he kept the hats, which I liked. The hats were a good uh, fit for his character, and he's still wearing it. But now he's got a new manager in JBL, and JBL hypes up Corbin's stats, then talks trash about Corbin's opponent tonight, Dolph Ziggler, while pointing out that most of the current roster wouldn't have lasted in the Attitude Era, while saying that Corbin, however, could have, since he would have been a star in any era. He then dubs Corbin the modern-day wrestling god. I'm into the idea of JBL being a manager for Corbin. Like, these are two guys who are very good at garnering heat. They're so good at being bad guys. I mean, JBL comes out, he gets this big pop, and immediately turns it on the crowd to where they're booing the hell out of him. Uh, and he did that on purpose because he he wanted that to happen. He wanted that crowd to boo the hell out of him because he wanted them to boo Baron Corbin when he came out. JBL's so smart. And honestly, Corbin's so good on the mic, I don't think he necessarily needs a mouthpiece. However, I do think that segments involving JBL and Baron Corbin as two ultimate bad guys, the, the ultimate villain squad, could be gold. It could be gold. I think that Baron Corbin's so entertaining on the microphone. He's so good at what he does. But he's so good at getting people to hate him. That's really what he's good at doing. He's good at riling people up. And so is JBL. And together, that seems like nuclear heat that they could get from the audience depending on their limits. Even not depending on their limits, they're going to get heat. But man, if they don't have, if they have less limitations on them, they could really, really piss some people off. And really make some baby faces, baby faces in the process. I think that you need baby faces in wrestling, and in order to make baby faces, you need a good heel because you want the, you need a guy that that people are going to cheer for the baby face to beat, and you need to cheer for someone obviously, but you need someone for them to you need their adversary, you need their, you need their opponent, you need the the bad guy, you need the bad guy, and 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 you need baby faces. To me, the whole shades of gray thing doesn't work i want heels and i want baby faces barry corbin and jbl are freaking heels those guys are heels and i think they're gonna make a lot of baby faces in the process now let's circle back to the name thing baron corbin i was not a fan of changing his name to happy corbin it didn't make sense to me why you would change baron corbin's name to happy corbin there was no real reason for it other than the fact that he won a lot of money and now he was happy. And to me, that was like a real weak reasoning. It felt like trying to fix something that wasn't broken. That's how it felt. Now, don't get me wrong. Broke Corbin, bum-ass Corbin, all that stuff. Super entertaining. But just it was just the changing of the name that just felt so unnecessary when it happened. And then it did kind of water down what he was doing. It just was like, wait, is this supposed to be, like, what's the deal? Like, why why does he have this name? So I had kind of almost started just calling him Corbin because that made more sense to me. So I like the name change back to Baron Corbin. I think that, I, 
the people who have been in NXT, like a Baron Corbin, I think that Triple H recognizes their value. He recognizes the value in Baron Corbin because he helped create the character of Baron Corbin. And he saw how much Baron Corbin has gotten Baron Corbin over. And to throw that all away to just start calling him Happy Corbin for some reason really didn't make a lot of sense. Now, back to Baron Corbin. And he's paired with someone who could take him to a new level. He could be taken to a new level with JBL at his side. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to like be hyping this up too much because who knows where it's going to go. But for the time being, I, it, it seems like another... It, it, for the time being, it seems like another W for Triple H. That's how I look at it. Um, next, after that, we had uh, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. At one point, Corbin uses a clothesline from hell to make his new manager happy, and it was a solid match. I didn't even mean to make a happy joke there. Uh, solid match that ends with Corbin hitting the end of days. Miz is backstage in the trainer's room after that, and Byron Saxton tells him that members of the custodial staff say they saw Miz stage the whole thing where he was clutching his knee and saying he slipped and fell. Uh, this is proven to be true, and the match is on for later in the night. We'll get to that, but first, here's a quick commercial break. Following that, MVP and Amos are backstage. MV- MVP says this week on SmackDown, Amos is coming to the show again to look down on Braun Strowman and show he's afraid of no man. Interested to see how that one plays out. Um, I think uh, not a lot to analyze here on that one uh, because it's just a promo, but it was a good promo from MVP. Um, and it, you know, hyping up kind of like the, the, the same thing we saw on SmackDown of just, you know, a program between Braun Strowman and Amos. After that, Cameron Grimes is also backstage, NXT superstar Cameron Grimes, and he approaches the OC asking if they'll be his partners this week on NXT. Gallows tells him they're cash-only guys, and Grimes says that won't be a problem since he's crypto-rich. I don't know if you call it that anymore. He's a stonk bro. Is that what you call it? I think it's a stonk bro. <laughs> I don't know. Um, either way, like I said, they're stacking up NXT on Tuesday. AJ Styles versus Dominic Mysterio happens after that. And this match was an improvement over the recent one that Dom had with Edge. But I really think with Rey Mysterio now gone from Raw... Dominic would do best in moving away from all things Mysterio. The 619, the similar gear, even the name, dude. Just call himself like Dom. Like, I don't know. Just like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, everyone calls him Dom anyways. I think Dom would work better than Dominic Mysterio right now. I think he needs to shed himself of all Mysterio stuff. That way, when he does eventually you know, make amends with Ray and he dons the whole costume again and maybe even has Ray pass him the mask at some point. I think it's a bigger deal then when it finally happens too. But let him like, let him drop it all. Like if he wants to establish 
his own identity outside of his dad, he's got to start doing his own moves. He's got to have his own identity. He's got to, like, move away from the Mysterio stuff. I think it will help him in the long run. Now, I will say, however, that Dom is getting tons of heat from the crowd. Like, people might hate online or whatever, but ultimately, you got to listen to the crowds that are there live, paying ticket holders. And they're booing the hell out of Dom, and it's not like necessarily go-away heat. It's It does seem to be anger heat, like the kind of heat you want people to have. So, you know, because of that, I don't necessarily... <laughs> you guys are going to be mad at this one. Uh, I don't necessarily hate that he beat AJ Styles here. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Don't quote me as saying I love it. But I don't hate it. I don't hate it because it was done in a cheap way. He's getting big heat from the crowds right now. They're already angry at him. All that will do is make them angrier. If he keeps getting these cheap wins, it'll only make the crowd continue to hate him more and more. So with that, I don't hate it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's it's AJ Styles. It should Maybe don't do it at the expense of an AJ Styles going forward. Uh, someone of that caliber. But if he does keep beating people of that level with roll-ups, people are, <laughs> are going to be pissed. And he's going to keep getting heat from the crowd, which isn't necessarily the worst thing for him right now. Because he is trying to get over as a heel. But... If you did get mad at Dominic beating AJ Styles, I understand. I'm just I'm not here to say like, oh no, I understand. I get what you're saying. I'm just being contrarian here. I'm not saying either of us are wrong or right. Just saying that I don't necessarily dislike it. If you do, I understand. I get it. Don't get me wrong. Gargano approaches Miz backstage after this, saying that he knows what Dexter's beef with Miz really is, and if he tells everyone the truth, he can get out of the match. Miz still seems to be confused by this and says the truth is he's been victimized. Also says that after he's done with Dexter, maybe he'll go after Gargano next. So then Dexter makes his entrance after the break for their scheduled match but Miz brutalizes him with a chair before their match can happen. He beats him up on the stage with the chair and then hits the skull-crushing finale and walks off. So what do we think Miz did to Dexter Loomis? I was Googling to see if like I could find something of like, I don't know, like a tough enough thing or a extra time when he was like an extra Samuel Shaw, maybe, or something, but I can't find find anything so we're gonna have to just like wait and see what it is i can't i'm not gonna lie i was racking my brain all episode trying to figure out what this could be is there something that's happened in the past something anything and and nothing comes to me this is the analyst in me being like, well, damn, there's nothing I could think of here, but I really couldn't think of anything. However, 
I realized while thinking and racking my brain of what it could be that that's technically intrigue. Like, I want to know, which means that it is working what they're doing here. I want to know what's happening. And maybe me saying it before that, like, I would like something new to happen, maybe wasn't wrong necessarily, but maybe I wasn't necessarily fully right in the fact that I thought something needed to happen. Maybe it's just building intrigue like I've been wanting. I'm, not, I'm so used to getting answers sooner that maybe this is just my imp, impatient brain expecting answers sooner. But it does feel like it's leading somewhere now, at least. You know, this whole talk of of, of Miz actually doing something to, to Dexter Loomis in their past. And even though he, pretend, he, he he's claiming he doesn't know... He did do what he could to try and get out of the match. So maybe there is, maybe his character does know. And I'm kind of into that. I'm kind of into like, uh, what's what's the right, like a Dexter likes, like that. that is his character. He's like Dexter where he's doing bad things to bad people. So what did he do? We're going to have to find out. But I do like the intrigue that's building there now. I liked what they were doing with Dexter Loomis as it was. But now that we know, Miz definitely did something to Dexter Loomis. Well, I shouldn't say definitely. Most likely did something to Dexter Loomis. I'm interested to see where this continues to go. Next, Damage Control. We're backstage with Byron Saxton bragging about taking out so many recent WWE superstars. Bailey says that she's also over what happened at Extreme Rules because she wasn't pinned. And next week, she's going to show Bianca Belair what it's like when she's back in control. Bailey versus Bianca Belair announced for next week. I'm trying to figure out, you know, with this... I mean... This feud has to end with Bailey becoming the women's champion. I also think that because they were bragging about all the people they've taken out, I'm also wondering if Becky Lynch returns in all of this, whether it's like at Survivor Series to help the other team against damage control, or she ends up being in... The match at War Games, one of the two, but I do think that because they're bragging about all the people they've taken out, I do think all the people they've taken out are going to start to return and gain revenge against damage control. But first, I think before that can happen, I before that can happen, I think Bailey has to beat Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship, and then Becky Lynch comes back. And starts a feud with Bailey. So depending on a timeline there, um, I think as soon as Bailey wins the title, the countdown clock for Becky to come back could be on. Miz once again runs into Johnny Gargano backstage and once again claims to not know what Johnny Gargano is talking about in terms of the truth. Gargano threatens to blow the whistle on Miz soon. If he doesn't tell the truth. Still feeling this. Um, I'm interested now in what the truth is. That's what I wanted to know. I just wanted some progression. And we're finally getting progression. We're finally getting 
uh, intriguing to what the hell Dexter is targeting Miz for. That's what I want to see. Next, what a segment we had. Elias. Elias back in WWE. I forgot to mention on last week's Raw Roundup there was an advertisement for this. But Elias is back in the ring. He's got a little beard going. It's not quite the full beard he had once before, but the fact that he's able to grow a beard back that fast is damn impressive. I know some guys who can't grow a beard at all, and if they knew that he could grow one back that fast, they'd be very, very jealous. Now, Elias says it's great to be back and mentions that his younger brother, Ezekiel's career, has been tragically cut short, but the show must go on. He then shows that he has a keyboard for tonight because this one is going to be special and then asks everyone to silence their cell phones and hold their applause until he's done performing. Before he can start, however, Elias is interrupted by Riddle wielding uh, bongos. (laughs) Riddle says that he's a huge Elias fan and that he also loved getting zeked up too. He then asks if Elias wants to hit his bong but Elias passes. By by the way, his bong. When he said hit his bong, he's talking about the bongos. Just just for just just you know, FYI. <laughs> After some fun banter, Elias returns to the keyboard and tries to play the song again. But this time, he's interrupted by Seth Rollins' music, and this is the start of Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle for the United States Championship. No return track from Elias. What a, what a sad return concert. We only got a few keyboard notes. But either way, man, you got to give Elias credit, dude. I tweeted this right before I was about to start recording tonight. The character of Ezekiel in many performers' hands would have been the absolute worst thing. It would have been a ticket to being released. It would have been... It would have been a, 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 a just would have been a a dark shadow over their career that everyone always asked about. But I don't think that that's what that what I don't think that's what this is for Elias. I don't think that's what that is. I think that he did a really good job of getting that character over in a short amount of time, as silly as it may be. But he dedicated himself to it fully. He fully committed to that role and people liked it like granted it it wasn't the same as uh you know it it wasn't the same as everything he had been doing before no wasn't as good as the Elias character it was silly that he was suddenly someone else but that being said like it was still entertaining and he and Kevin Owens yes Kevin Owens to his credit he deserves a lot of it as well because he made it fun. But they both made you want to, you know, play along with the fact that this was Elias's brother. So I do think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did with that character. Now we can go back to the joke. Yeah, okay. One day the brothers will team. Um, uh, or it was nice of Elias to to trim his long beard and make it shorter. <laughs> But really, like I, I, I want to give credit to uh, the performer because that's not easy work what he did. He took something real cheesy 
and made us all enjoy it. Now, Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle is the main event here. And at one point in the match, while the ref's back was turned, Rollins yammered at Elias and got hit with a knee to the face for it. Riddle then hits the bro Derek, but Seth kicks out. Rollins also hits an insane reverse suplex from the top rope and transitioned it into a reverse Falcon arrow, but Riddle kicked out. Finish was a bit odd. Elias ran in while Riddle was about to hit an RKO. And instead, he bumped into Riddle by accident, which allowed Seth to hit the stomp to retain his title. He then hits a stomp on Elias for good measure and tried to do another on top of the U.S. title to Riddle, but instead, Ali makes the save. Ali comes back. Show-ending moment for Mustafa Ali. Comes in, tackles Seth down. They fight, fight on the outside, chases him away, and Rollins has to retreat through the crowd as Mustafa Ali stands tall on the barricade, daring him to come back. This is a huge opportunity for Mustafa Ali. I think for there are many wrestling fans who have been pushing for Mustafa Ali to get a bigger opportunity, to get a chance, to get a program with someone substantial as the character he envisions himself to be. And this is that. This is finally, I think, that. I it's, It seems like that we might finally, I should say finally because it was entertaining, but we might at this point be done with Riddle versus Rollins. They've done a lot. There's nowhere else to go with this feud. It's it's gotten as good as it's going to get. It's time to move on. I think Mustafa Ali is a great person to do that with. I think if you want to send a message that, that things are different, it's a good way to do it. You know, when I was younger, I stopped watching wrestling for a period of time because the young, you know, uh, dramatic, uh, passionate wrestling fan in me used to think that I that not enough new stars were being pushed. So for a period of time, I stopped watching because I was mad that there weren't enough new stars being pushed. And I think that in some ways, you know, while I wasn't going to stop watching because I'm an adult now and I, I'm never going to stop watching wrestling again. <laughs> um... I, I do think that for too long, the focus was on the same people too often. So to get Mustafa Ali in a program with someone like Seth Rollins is a huge win. Whether he uh, is successful in it or not, it's a huge win in showing that new things are happening. New stars are being made. People are being given opportunities. People are being positioned in the way that they see fit for their characters. You know, Ezekiel is gone. The Ezekiels are gone and the Eliases are back. The Happy Corbins are gone and the Baron Corbins are back. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know the, the, <laughs> the, the retributions are gone and we're getting Mustafali as a real person sticking up for what he believes in. I like all that. These are signaling changes that were necessary. So whether you like Mustafa Ali or not, you should be happy about the fact that other people are being given opportunities to move up the card because that can only be good for we 
as wrestling fans. All right, I'm done here. Before I get out of here, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast feed. If you're listening to this, if you happen to stumble on the episode and you enjoyed it, hook it up with a subs. Just just click the little subscribe button. Hook it up. Uh, we got out of character every Wednesday. We got SmackDown Roundup too. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're getting all of it. And also make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character on video every Wednesday. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown, clips from Out of Character, YouTube shorts, all that stuff. It's all on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So make sure that you are following us. Also, I I didn't mention this, but if you subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. Also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review for the show. I read them here usually when I see some good ones. So hook it up with a review, and I'll show you some love back on this very podcast or the SmackDown Roundup. Speaking of the SmackDown Roundup, I'm I've... For like the whole time I've been at Fox, I haven't missed SmackDown really, except for these past few weeks. I had my sister's wedding, and then I had my other sister's wedding. Um, then uh, and now we're here at another one, and then I'll be back for good. <laughs> these are the this is the end of my uh, various SmackDowns I needed to miss or or pay per view weekends. Um, going to Vegas for the When We Were Young festival, and also for something fairly important in my personal life so there will not be a smackdown roundup this week there will not be a best of but i will be back on monday for another raw roundup there will still be an interview that goes out wednesday next week too i'm only missing the smackdown roundup for something very important which i will fill you guys in on after it happens all right that's it i'm done Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the Raw Roundup.